Hey, I hope you all did have a good Thanksgiving. Uh, welcome to you that are joining us online, to those of you that are here. Um, we want to, I want to start a series this morning called Light of the World. And you know, Thanksgiving's over, right? We, we celebrated that, but now we look forward to Christmas. And we see that um, Christmas is really about Jesus, our Savior, who came into the world to bring light and life. And it's so easy to get distracted in the culture we live in and to begin to think Christmas is about lots of other things. And we can get distracted on that stuff. And so here at uh, a church each Sunday, we want to focus in on the life of Jesus and on the story of Jesus because he really is the reason for this season, right? And so I wanted to start this morning by looking at some ancient things that, um, that about Jesus that were actually foretold. You know, in the Old Testament, much of the Old Testament is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but written by men who were prophets, and they were prophets of God. And so they were men who spoke to the people of Israel for God. They revealed to the people of Israel God's truth. But these prophets had the ability, again, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to speak about the future. And so prophecy in the Bible is foretelling the future. And it's foretelling the truth of God. And so we see that these prophets had the ability to, to speak the future, what was going to happen. And it was by the power of God, again, as I said, it was God speaking through them. And so there was, uh, there's many prophecies about Jesus. As we look back at the Old Testament, many think that there are over 300 prophecies that speak about the coming Messiah, or that Jesus would come uh, and that God was sending a Savior. 300 prophecies. Now, we're just going to look at a few of them this morning, but I think it's amazing to note that Jesus, as he walked this earth, and really even before he got here, his birth um, was uh, foretold, and he fulfilled all of these prophecies. Um, when the Bible refers to Jesus as being the Christ, Jesus Christ is the word that he, uh, the name that he's given or referred to. It's the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Messiah. And it, the Greek word for this is Christos, and it means anointed one. And so Jesus came as the anointed one. We see also in the Old Testament those who were anointed with, for special works of service. God had a special mission for them to accomplish. And so they were anointed to accomplish this. Jesus was anointed. He was superior to all others who were anointed for God's service. Because he didn't just come as a man to serve God. But we'll see from the um, passages today, from the prophecies that we look at today, that he was to be the God-man, God in the flesh. And the time that Jesus came to the earth was specific. You know, God had foreseen um, a specific time in history when he would send his son to the earth. Jesus came at the, per at the perfect time, the right time. You know, the nation of Israel had been living separate from the will of God for years. They'd been living outside of that because they didn't have a king who was established to rule them and uh, appointed by God. And they weren't all living in the nation that God had given them. You know, uh, Abraham, who God called out to start the Hebrew nation, God made a promise to Abraham that he would give him land, a land that would be his. They would give him seed or offspring, a nation and a people. And he would bless the world through him. And so the nation of Israel at the time that Jesus came lived, uh, they were angry and they were frustrated because they weren't all living in the land of Israel. 
something known as dispersion was taking place in the nation of Israel. The people of Israel were scattered throughout the world. They weren't all living in the nation that God had promised them. And uh, secondly, they had a king who'd been appointed by Rome. In 65 uh, BC, before Jesus, Rome had conquered Israel. And so you had a king in Herod who was placed by the nation, uh, by the empire of Rome, and he was a puppet king. And so they were living outside of what they knew to be God's will, and they were frustrated. They were angry. And all of them were looking for this Messiah, the one promised by God, who'd been foretold. You know, Jesus does fulfill all of these prophecies. The mathematical probability that one man would fulfill all of these prophecies is impossible unless God were in it and he were the fulfillment of these specific promises of God. I want to start in John chapter 4, and if you have a Bible, you want to grab it. We'll be looking at a number of different passages today regarding these prophecies from the Old Testament and the fulfillment of them in the New Testament. But Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And, you know, Jesus was traveling from Judea in the south. He was headed north to Galilee, and he went through Samaria. Samaria was a land that was uh, populated by Samaritans who were part Gentile and part Jew. They were cross-breeds in a sense. They were mixed uh, race. And so um, the people of Israel looked down on them. Because God had told them not to intermingle and intermarry with the peoples around them. And yet some of them had. And the result were the Samaritans. And so the Jews didn't have anything to do with the Samaritans. But Jesus traveling through Samaria stopped. Um, and he stopped at a very important well. Jacob's well. Because he was tired from his journey. And he sat there while his disciples went into town to get some food. And while he was there a woman approached. And he asked the woman for a drink, and he had a conversation with her about what was going on. It got to God, and it got to worship, and she um, she had some questions for him that he answered specifically for her. But in John chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, it comes to this. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the promises that are contained within it. Thank you for the, the mysteries and the ancient truths that we can unpack and uncover that reveal to us that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the promised one, and that you had so much more for him to do for us than we even knew. God, thank you for this time of year. Help us to keep our focus in on Jesus, our Messiah, the Savior of the world. God, lead us through this time together as we look at the truths of your scripture. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what are these prophecies? As I said, there are many, and we're just going to look at a few of them this morning. The first one is the prophecy that Jesus would be born, or the Messiah would be born, of a virgin. Now, this is impossible, It's impossible for a virgin to conceive and bear a child. And they knew it in ancient times as well as we know it today. And so this is an important prophecy, an important fulfillment that Jesus fulfilled because it's a miracle that it would happen. uh, The prophet Isaiah is the one who prophesied this some 700 years before Christ. In Isaiah chapter 7 verses 13 and 14, Isaiah writes this. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David. Isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? You must exhaust the patience, uh, must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? 
All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah's prophesying that a virgin would conceive something that's impossible and she would bear a son and that he would be called Emmanuel. God with us, God in the flesh. Isaiah's specific prophecy is fulfilled by Jesus and Jesus alone. In Matthew chapter 1, Matthew, the the disciple come apostle, is writing about the story of Jesus. And he's revealing to the nation of Israel, this is who Jesus was. This is what Jesus did. And in Matthew 1, 21 and 25, he says this. As he considered this, oh, let me set this up a minute. So he's writing to us the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph was Jesus' earthly father, but he wasn't his real father. See, Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married, which meant they were not having sexual relations, but they were preparing for marriage, kind of an engagement, we would call it today. And Mary became pregnant. It became, a, it became obvious that she was pregnant, that a baby was growing within her. And so Joseph said, this isn't right. This is unacceptable. By law, Women remained virgins until marriage as well as men. And so these were good Jewish folk. They were following the law. They were trying to do the right thing. And so uh, he knew that Mary getting pregnant meant that she had cheated on him, that she'd gone outside of the law. And so he wasn't going to marry her. Um, he was going to put her away quietly. He was a good man. He was a kind man. He didn't want to be uh, cruel to her, but he knew this was wrong. And so it's in the middle of this as Joseph is considering what to do, that a miracle happens. This is what it says in Matthew 21, uh, chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. As he considered this, that's Joseph, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. See, the prophecy given by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was fulfilled specifically. The significance of this is immense. The virgin birth was held to by the early church, obviously presented by Matthew. They knew that this miracle was the beginning of Jesus' existence here on earth. That he didn't come as a normal man. And it's important that he didn't. The scriptures teach us here that he was born, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So he was, in essence, all God and all man. See, in order for him to become the perfect Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world, he couldn't just be a man. The justice of God had to be satisfied. The sin of human beings had to be paid for. And this could not be done by a human being, by a mere mortal. But Jesus the Messiah, the Savior of the world, came as the God-man. He was able to pay for our sins because he was perfect. 
He had the power to pay for them and appease God's justice requirements. Well, the second prophecy we want to look at is that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Kind of a small, obscure town, not very famous in the nation of Israel. But Micah, the prophet, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 of Micah, says this. This is his prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. The people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Then at last his fellow countrymen will return from exile to their own land, and he will stand to lead his flock with the Lord's strength. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, then his people will live there undisturbed. For he will be highly honored around the world, and he will be the source of peace. Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, Jesus fulfilled this prophecy that he would be born in Bethlehem. Now listen, it, one of these prophecies fulfilled by one person is not that um, astounding. It's not that hard to comprehend. But when all of these prophecies begin to line up, things that couldn't have been orchestrated begin to line up, we begin to see that Jesus is the promised one. Um, It's interesting that Joseph and Mary, if you know the story, were sent to Bethlehem. They went to Bethlehem because of a census that was decreed um, by Quirinius, the governor of of Syria. And so they had to go there. They weren't from there. They weren't living, or excuse me, they were from there, but they weren't living there. But they ended up on a journey that took them to that region and to that small town. This is what Matthew says again in chapter 2, verses 4 through 6 about the birth of Jesus. He called the meeting of the leading... Um, oh, let me set this one up too. So um, Magi came from the east. They were probably from what was ancient Babylon. They probably had spent time with Daniel during the exile when Daniel was there. And he had taught them about, uh, about um, Israel and the nation of Israel. And of course, Daniel had prophesied about the coming Messiah as well. And so Daniel, they probably had a connection to him if we look back in history. But these magi came from the east. They traveled to Israel because they saw saw a star appear in the sky. And they knew the star was connected to the Messiah. So they knew this story. They knew that he was coming and they were looking for him. And so they travel to Israel and they go to see the king, King Herod. And they want to ask him about this Messiah that has come. And so uh, in Matthew 2, 4 through 6, Matthew tells us this in, as he recounts this story. He called a meeting, this is Herod, of the leading uh, priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And so, of course, we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And uh, he he was there. Um, His parents traveled there on this journey because of this census. And so Jesus fulfills this prophecy specifically. And, of course, Herod, being a false king, not wanting the real king to take charge, um, he wanted to wipe out Jesus. And he wanted to wipe out any messiah that might possibly have come and might take power from him. 
But Jesus fulfilled this prophecy being born in Bethlehem. The third prophecy we want to look at today is that the Messiah would be a light out of darkness. Isaiah, back to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, this is what the prophet Isaiah writes regarding the Messiah. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, regarding the ministry of Jesus, Matthew writes this, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee, in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. And then he gives the prophecy again from the book of Isaiah. Jesus' ministry happened in accordance with the prophecies that Isaiah had made 700 years before he walked the earth. Exactly. He fulfilled them to a T. He went to the exact place in the exact region on the exact road to begin his ministry as he began to share light and to bring light into a dark world. You know, the world was dark. It was without hope. The nation of Israel was following the law. And Jesus came to bring a connection between God and man, to bring peace. Well, the fourth prophecy we want to look at today is that the Messiah would preach good news. Isaiah, back to Isaiah again, chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. This is what Isaiah said regarding the Messiah. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Well, in Luke chapter 4, Luke is telling us the story of Jesus. And it says this, when Jesus, or when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus said, I came from God to bring hope, to bring a message of good news, to bring freedom for those who are enslaved, to bring hope, uh, to bring um, sight to the blind. Jesus came to bring peace, a peace from God. A time of the Lord's favor had fallen on the earth through Jesus. And he had come to reveal, uh, to bring heaven to earth and to reveal God to us. Well, the fifth prophecy I want to look at today is one of the Messiah, again prophesied by Isaiah, that the Messiah would be crucified. Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6 says this, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence. 
like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness, our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You know, after the day of Pentecost, when um, the apostles and the followers of Jesus were gathered in the upper room and the Holy Spirit fell on them, after this time of unleashing, the, the, um, they begin to see miracles happen. And we're told, um, or we're told of one in Acts chapter 8, where Philip, who was an apostle, was ushered to a different region along a path where he saw a eunuch traveling in, uh, and headed back to, probably, um, back to Ethiopia, northern Africa. And this eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip ended up there for a specific reason. He didn't know why, but he saw this um, cart traveling with this Ethiopian eunuch, and he heard him reading. And in Acts chapter 8, um, it says this, the passage of Scripture that he'd been reading was this. He was like a sheep... Uh, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. See, Philip had the opportunity to describe and explain to this eunuch that Jesus... The Christ, the Messiah, was the fulfillment of this prophecy. That it was not about Isaiah, but it was actually about Jesus, who would come and be crucified for the sins of the world. You see, Philip understood that because he had experienced the coming of the Holy Spirit, and they began to understand, the apostles began to understand who Jesus was and the significance of what he had done. They began to see that there was hope following the resurrection, that Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he rose on the third day, bringing life conquering death, and bringing forgiveness of sin. And so as Philip traveled, as Philip was ushered to this arena to speak with this Ethiopian eunuch, he got the opportunity to share the gospel with him, the good news of Christ crucified. The last prophecy we want to look at is the resurrection. And this was prophesied by David, that the Messiah would, um, would rise from the dead. In Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11, this is what David wrote. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Well, in Acts 13, Barnabas and Saul describe this to the people in Antioch as they were there preaching. They describe what happened and explain the fulfillment of this um, of these verses. This is what Acts 13 says. For God has promised to raise him from the dead, not leaving him to rot in the grave. 
He said, I will give you the sacred blessing I promised to David. Another psalm explains it more fully. You will not allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. This is not a reference to David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else. Someone who, whom God raised and whose body did not decay. The great hope that we have in this season of Christmas as we, uh, as we remember and as we celebrate the birth of Jesus into our world, we must remember and we must focus in on that Jesus was the promise of many prophecies, that he was the fulfillment of those prophecies, that he came not just as a unique individual, as a holy teacher, as a religious leader, but God came to earth. In Jesus, he was born as a baby. He came humbly into this world and he gave himself to minister to the people that walked the earth at his time. He brought hope. He brought a message of God's favor. He said, listen, to those that are oppressed, to those who are poor, those who are weak, there's hope because God loves you. Uh, John three seventeen says Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And God sent his son to the world to be our savior. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior of the world, the fulfillment of ancient prophecies, Jesus fulfilled them perfectly. I hope that you, as you move into this Christmas season, keep your focus on Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one that brings hope to us. And as you walk through this season, don't get distracted by all the things that are going on around you. Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. And if you keep your focus on him, then you'll be able to navigate the other things that happen, the distractions, the disruptions, the things that come your way with grace and peace. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for, again, this time of year where we get to celebrate that you sent your son to the earth, a promise fulfilled, a savior that was given. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for redemption and mercy and grace that we find in your savior your son, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.